0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week, Dave preached about Acts chapter 9 and we could see this radical transformation of Saul that we probably know better as Paul. Paul. In the Bible. And when the Spirit of God comes to people and speaks to people, it can change people's life. Radically turn it around. And today we are in the next chapter, so you can all open, please, your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to talk about another transformation. Where God's Spirit speaks to people, very radically, to two people. And a guy called Cornelius, a Gentile. And Peter, the apostle, and he speaks to them and he asks them to trust his plan. And this is also what I call this sermon today as I was thinking about how, I should, how should I call this message? What, what is the deep meaning of it all? I think for you and for I, what we get out of it hopefully today is multiple things. But one thing is that we need to trust in the plan. I don't know if you ever were in your life in a moment where you had to trust the plan and you had no idea what was going on. But someone told you, here's the plan, just trust it, it will work. Well, I want to tell you a story now that happened to us. Josh and I, we were traveling, we spent quite a long time in Asia and we were in the country of Tajikistan. And we had to cross the border to the next country north of it, it's called Kyrgyzstan for those of you who know your word map or not. And if you read throughout the, all the lonely planets, all it says is like, do not do the overland crossing between Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan, it is dangerous, you do not do this. Please go into Dushanbe and fly up into Northern Kyrgyzstan into the Bishkek and all of it. But we were in Tajikistan and we met the locals and we talked to the locals and we had friends there who were locals and they said to us, it is possible. You do not have to fly up to Bishkek and then travel all the way down in the country again, which would have really messed around with the plan that we had. And we couldn't have probably seen a couple of mission teams there. But they said, it is, it is possible, just let us make a plan, and you need to trust our plan. Josh and I talked, and we were like, yeah, all right, make a plan. So, we, so they did, and one of our friends asked another mate to jump in the car with us, and we traveled into northern Tajikistan, and they stopped at a place just before the mountain range hits. And there were lots of taxis that were parked there. And our friends got out and they said to us, you guys, you stay in the car. Don't you poke your face out of the window. Stay inside the car. And they went and they talked to the taxi drivers and sussed them out and asked deep questions. And they also made sure that the car they chose had a Kyrgyz number plate. So they couldn't just dump us at the border and left us. So they had a plan. Finally, they chose a guy, they arranged the money, they opened the door, and two white faces left the car. And we stepped in this car, in this taxi, and we could not say a single word to our taxi driver. Couldn't communicate. And this guy was driving, and he was driving north towards the border, and then we hit the Tajik side of the border, and there was a concrete block, a house, and he parked the car and he indicated to us that he needed our passports. And so we gave him the passports and he walked off and Tosh opened the door and was like, can I come? He's said, no, you stay in the car. And this guy went into this concrete house and it took a long time for us eternity because we were in the middle of nowhere without our passports. <laughs> and about 20 minutes later, this guy came out, came back to us and we're like, All right. And then he asked us, okay, now here are your passports again, but your bags you to leave with me, and now you walk. You walk without any of your belongings but your passports through Norman's land. And so we did. So we walked through Norman's Land between the countries. And you wouldn't believe there's actually people living in Norman's land there. Eh? Lots of chickens and goats. And we kept walking and walking and walking, and then we finally, after a few hundred meters, saw the concrete house that we had to enter from the Kyrgyz government. And surrounded by lots and lots of soldiers with automated guns. Dead serious look. No one else inside, no tourists inside, there was for sure just us. And we walked into this concrete building surrounded by these automated guns and these beautiful people. And we walked inside, and there was a screen, and behind it, a man again looking dead serious. And we handed him our passports, and at the time, I wasn't too a citizen, so I had my German passport and Josh's Australian passport. And I handed him my German passport, and he just looked dead serious. Just up. Really angry. And put my passport down without a stamp. And then he picked up Josh's passport, the Australian passport. And he looked at the passport and looked up to Josh, and I, went, yeah, no. I was like, oh, Australia. And Josh was like, oh yeah, Australia. And this guy looked at us and he's like, oh, kangaroo. <laughs> and Josh and I, we looked at each other, and we're like, yeah, kangaroo. And all of a sudden, the three of us, this guy with the automated gun and us, which is all jumping like kangaroos. And he opened our passport, stamp, stamp, hallelujah. We left the building, our taxi driver was waiting, and he drove us into the next city, Osh, where our other friends were waiting. The plan worked. Did we believe it in the beginning? Not quite sure. Did we have to trust in the plan? 100%. Because it was completely out of our hands. Today's story is about that we need to trust God's plan. But before we get into it, I would just like to pray, can we? Jesus, I pray, Lord, Spirit, that you speak to us today, that as we listen now and what you want to share with us, what you want to say to us, as a group, as a church, as people who listen online, but also as individual people sitting here, Spirit, that you speak deeply and that you make our hearts soft so we are willing to receive, Lord, I pray that you help me to get completely out of the way. May this all be you. In your precious name, amen. All right, let's start. Let's read Acts chapter 10, the verses one and two. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So there's already a few things that we can learn here right now. That's the scene of today's message. Firstly, we learn that what we're about to talk about is happening in a town called Caesarea. Caesarea is a town at the sea. It's about 50 kilometers north of another town called Choppa, which we hear later on about. And it was a Roman city. The Romans lived there, in fact, the headquarters of the governor from the Roman Empire was placed in Caesarea. And we also learn about Cornelius. We learn that Cornelius, this man, was a Gentile. And back then, at least from the Jewish perspective, there were only really two people groups. There were the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were God's anointed people, those people that God set aside, that God spoke to to Abraham and said to Abraham, Abraham, through you and your son Isaac and your son his son Jacob, I'm going to create a nation. I call them Israelites, the Jewish people, and I set them aside. I give them land. Interesting, Ben, you read the passage before. Thank you for this. I will give them land. I will give them a language. And I will give them laws, rules to follow, to set them aside from any other nation. So they would point out who I am. They would show the world that there is a God that is alive. And then there were the Gentiles, everybody else, not God's chosen people. Probably not all of us, but probably most of us here in this room would would have been them. Cornelius, he was a Gentile. And he lived in Caesarea, and he was part of the Roman army. So it's probably fair to say that if, as a Jewish person, you heard just this description, that you would have not been jumping around for joy about this man called Cornelius. But then it continues to say in verse 2 that Cornelius was also a God fearing man and that he prayed. He prayed. So Cornelius, as a Gentile, realized that the God he wants to believe in is the Jewish God. Not any of the other gods from the Roman Empire. Not any of the other pagan faiths and pagan gods that other people believed in. He actually was like, you know what? They are all not true. The God of the Jewish people, he must be the true God. So Cornelius was someone connected to the synagogue. He went there, he prayed. He gave money to the poor. But he didn't follow all the instructions of the Jewish people. He wasn't circumcised. But he feared God. He feared God. So what does that even mean? Does that mean that we need to be afraid of our Lord? Surely not. Because it says that no one can separate us from his love. But what it means is that you have so much reverence and awe of the Lord who is holy, just, and righteous. That you develop a healthy fear within you. And the more you get to know God, and the more you get to know how holy he is, your God is holy. Think about it, holy, you have a fear within you, an adoration within you that just brings you on your knees. I think we, all of us, sorry, I assume now a lot, probably have to learn that a bit. We relate a lot to our Lord as our friend, and amen, Jesus is our friend. But we also need to know that it is healthy to have a healthy fear in front of our Lord. And that he's holy, just, and righteous. And Cornelius believed that. Cornelius believed that. So let's keep reading. Acts chapter 10 from verse 3. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before, Lord, before God. Now send man to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tenor, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Cornelius prayed. He prayed. And the angel said to Cornelius that his prayer and his money that he's given to the poor people has been coming up to God as a memorial offering to him. I sometimes believe we completely underestimate the power of prayer. God is asking you and I to pray. Jesus prayed. If Jesus prayed, how much more do we need to learn to have prayer as part of our lives? How is it going? Are we a praying church? Are we praying? I also believe that we not, also, um, not only sometimes underestimate the power of prayer, but every now and then we don't even expect God to answer. We pray for something, but maybe we were disappointed in God before, where he didn't listen or something turned out very differently to what we wanted it to turn out. And we may even ask the question, why? What's the point? I had a conversation like this only this week. And it's hard. It's tough. Prayer doesn't always make sense, at least from human perspective. But it's not about it. Prayer is not just, I say not just, to pray and say, you know what, Lord, this is what I need right now and please do it. I mean, we can tell the Lord our needs. But prayer has also especially to do with praying to God and praising Him for who He is and praying that His will will be done on earth, that His glory will be presented, that He would change your life and your life and your life to an amount that His name will be glorified here on earth. This is what prayer is about that his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. God spoke to Cornelius. He sent an angel. What a moment. Just imagine Cornelius sitting there and praying and an angel. Oops, didn't expect that. And then the angel gave Cornelius instructions and Cornelius had to trust the plan. He didn't know yet what was going to happen, did he? Let's keep reading. Verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. Sounds familiar? <laughs> and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into trance. He saw heaven opened in something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then the voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the man sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the man, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The man replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the man into the house to be his guests. There's a lot in this passage. So firstly, it says that Cornelius' servants were on their journey and that as they were walking towards that house, that Peter went up on the rooftop to pray. So at the time, in fact, still in that region in the world, the houses often have flat roofs and they're used almost like as a garden space for people to hang out. And I envision it really Beautiful. Really, that house was at the seaside. Peter probably looked out at the ocean. The priest was coming in. He was on the roof. He could overlook the other roofs as well. Probably a beautiful view. And Peter wanted to pray. And then Peter started praying and he got hungry. In fact, it says he got very hungry. Ever been there? When you start to pray and all of a sudden you just really feel like this. Hmm, something. Peter felt so hungry that he even asked the other guys to to prepare him food. So he was in a wrestle between his prayer and his hunger. But our God is awesome and I love his humor. God used the thoughts of Peter's hunger to speak to Peter. And it given Peter a vision. A vision how the sheet was lowered down from heaven with all sorts of different animals on it, clean and unclean, and said to Peter, Peter, eat. So what we need to now understand is is that at this point in Peter's life, Peter, not even once yet, has tasted a good piece of bacon. (laughs) Hasn't. It never touched his mouth. Sorry for all the vegans in here. Bacon is incredible. The Lord has created bacon. (laughs) Peter had never tasted it. Not once. Because in Leviticus 11 in the Old Testament... God said to Israel, a whole list of different foods that they were not allowed to eat. He called them unclean. So the Israelites would be set aside to all the other nations in the world. And they followed it. So Peter, Peter never tasted it. And now, now God, God himself is asking Peter to eat this unclean food. Sure, Lord, are you, are you? Are you serious? By no means, Lord, will I do this. As I was reading this, I laughed because I just envisioned Peter as a person. And I was like, man, Peter is so awesome. He said no a few times to God, didn't he? He said no to Jesus when Jesus told him that he's about to go on the cross. And Peter said to him, no, Lord, this won't happen to you. Peter liked to argue with God. Which I think tells us a tiny bit about his character. I see him as someone who who just really got engaged and wanted to understand everything quite outspoken. There was Peter. Peter was also the guy who denied Jesus three times before Jesus went on the cross. He said three times, no, I don't know this man. And then after Jesus came alive again, Peter experienced Jesus' forgiveness. Imagine that. Peter was also then there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and was poured out to all the people. He was there, he saw it. And he took this commissioning, what Jesus said to him in Matthew 28, to go out into the world to make disciples of all nations very serious. And back then, the Jewish people were gathered all over the known world. So Peter thought, Lord, I'm in. 100%. 100%. I will go to you chosen people all over this world and tell them about you, Jesus Christ. Tell them about their Messiah. Tell them about what they learned in the Torah and how it actually now makes sense. I'm committed. And because of this, Peter still followed all, most of the rules from, from the Jewish traditions. He took it very serious. He wanted to be a good Jewish person. And he still hadn't tasted any bacon. And now God said, Peter, eat. And not only once, three times God said that to make sure that Peter truly got it and got the importance of it. And as Peter was there wrestling with this, of what the, this whole vision meant and what God wanted to tell him, these people from Cornelius' house rocked up at the house. And then the Spirit prompted Peter again and said, and now you go down and I have sent these people and you do not hesitate. Go and make them your guest. And so Peter went down. And he had to trust the plan at that moment, didn't he? Not quite understanding what was happening. Not even knowing who was there yet. What I also thought on a personal level is with Peter is that if you were a Jewish person at the time and you were told your whole life how you are special, the clean people, <laughs> set aside God's people and everybody else, they're unclean. What does it do in you? What would it do? Bit of pride, isn't it? Easily. It would just easily happen. And now God is saying to Peter, you know what? The way how the, how the Jewish people think of the Gentiles is actually not accepted anymore. This is not what I'm asking of you. So then Peter went downstairs and he saw these people, he saw these Gentiles standing there at the door. And in that moment, he understood the vision of what God has said to him up on the top. He understood that these Gentiles were as fearfully and wonderfully created as the Jewish people. That these Gentiles were sinners just like he is. That they were longing and desperate for their Messiah, just as Peter and all the Jewish people are. He got it. And Peter invited them into his house, or his friend's house, really, the other Peter. And imagine that. So back then, a Jewish person was not even allowed to associate with a Gentile, really. They were not allowed to to invite them into their home because they were unclean. They were not allowed to sit at the same table and have food with them. In fact, Jewish people were not even allowed to sit down at a table where a piece of bacon was on the table before. They had to follow all these rules. And now Peter said, come inside. And he entertained them as his guests. That was massive. That was massive. What would have the other Peter thought, the other Jewish servants in the house, the Jewish people out on the road? What was he doing? But yet Peter trusted in God's plan. He trusted in what God was teaching him in this moment. And he invited them in to be his guests. It made me wonder how we are going in our life in that area. Are we willing to stand up for God? When you've got a friend talking to you who is an atheist and he doesn't know Jesus, she doesn't know Jesus, are we shying away? Are we scared? Or are we actually proud that we know a Savior in our life? I would just like to ask you to reflect on that in your personal life. Peter did. Let's keep reading verse 23. The next day Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. By talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for to to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God had shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when it, I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to chopper for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon, the tenor who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and I was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Peter listened, Peter went, and now Peter arrived in Caesarea at Cornelius' house. And what did Cornelius do? The first thing he did? He fell on his feet and he started kissing Peter's feet. Do you know that in the Vatican in Rome, there is a metal statue of Peter It was probably built there in the 1200s, like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And since then, hundreds and thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to Rome to touch the feet of Peter or to kiss his feet. So much so that the toes, the metal toes are now all gone. They're all now melted together. That's how many people came already to Rome to touch Peter's feet. And kiss his feet. We are not, we are not to worship man. We are not to worship man. We are only to worship Jesus. Peter knew this, hence why he said, get up straight away. What are you doing? I'm only a man like you are. But I did think about us a bit today. <laughs> and I think, you know what? It so easily happens, doesn't it? Also as Christians, like we walk into a church and we see a person and we think this person is especially close to God or whatever. And we look up to this person adoration, and all of it. And all of a sudden we feel all of this person. And a different word maybe if you travel down this line is potentially worship. And you give a person, a pastor, a leader, all of a sudden a lot more attention than they should have. I'm not saying we shouldn't respect leaders that God put into positions. It's not what I'm saying. But we should not worship them. We only worship Jesus. We only worship Jesus. There's only one mediator between God and man, and this is Jesus Christ. Your pastor's faith can't save you. Your spouse's faith can't save you. Your friend's faith cannot save you. So you need to know whom you believe in. You need to know where you're at in your personal faith walk. Do not worship man. Worship Jesus. Another beauty we can see here is that the Holy Spirit was everywhere at the same time. And I love it. I love how God works. So as Holy Spirit talked to Cornelius over here and got these people prepped to walk towards Chopper, Holy Spirit also talked now to Peter over there and prepared him for what is about to happen. It's like a jigsaw puzzle that God is putting together. Isn't that fun? It's like, all right, this person is open. I just talk to you right now. And you know what? She needs to hear it. So I sent her over there. God is still doing this. There's still testimonies around where Holy Spirit is talking to people who are willing for him to listen and obedient to go and to walk, to be a testimony of someone else's life. He is still doing it. God is also still speaking in extraordinary ways. You know that we had a couple walking into this gym here because they had a dream, dreaming about this gym, and they looked online what this gym is. And they came in here and they committed their lives to Jesus without any hands touched. That's our Lord. God can Reveal dreams to people. He is still doing it. We are still believing in the same God that was back then as it is today. Are we expecting him to move? Are you committed to prayer for him to move? The people in Cornelius' house who were all sitting in that room, they were eager to hear from God. They were hungry. They heard about Cornelius' prayer, they heard how God spoke, and they were ready to listen what God had to say to them. So let's hear what Peter had to say to them. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. The circumcised believers, the Jewish, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Peter preached the cross and God sent the Spirit upon the Gentiles. What a plan he followed and what a finish to the plan, eh? Isn't that exciting? Yeah, God spoke to Cornelius and Cornelius trusted God. God spoke to Peter and Peter trusted God and trusted the plan. Peter stood out. He stood up for Jesus. Jesus. And God made the way and God spoke. The gospel is for everyone. And what Peter realized now is that the great commissioning from Matthew 28 is truly now for everyone in the world. That every single person needs to hear about Jesus. That Holy Spirit is available to everybody now. Not just God's chosen people, but everyone. It's now not anymore the Gentiles and the Jewish people. It's now the believers and the unbelievers a massive shift and this is the world we are living in right now you need to believe in the name of Jesus but Cornelius didn't just only believe in the name of Jesus he submitted his life to him he was a God-fearing man he prayed He believed that God was holy, just, and righteous. And the Bible teaches us that when you fear the Lord, it is the beginning of wisdom. So the Lord put wisdom over Cornelius' life. And now now Cornelius had Holy Spirit upon him. And Holy Spirit touched his heart to an amount that Cornelius for the first time experienced a freedom that you can only experience when you submit and fully submit your life to Jesus. And the evidence of this is baptism. He got baptized. Don't be someone who says, yes, I'm sitting here today and I believe in the name of Jesus, but you do not submit your life to him. I want to read you out now a verse that Jesus, what Jesus himself said about it. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven by the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, if you not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Plenty can come up. It's a bit of a straight talk that Jesus did here, wasn't it? It's pretty confronting. When I think about this a bit, it's actually pretty confronting. But there are people here in the world right now who say, okay, yeah, Jesus is Lord, but don't actually care. You need to submit your life to his authority. And I promise you, you will experience a freedom that can only come when you do this. A freedom beyond understanding. I need to ask you right now, what do you believe? In whom do you believe? Do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you fear God? Do you submit to his authority? Are you praying are you praying and are you obedient to his calling in the small and the big and the little and the tiny bits are you obedient to what he's asking you to do are you expecting the Lord to speak are you like Cornelius who keeps on seeking God are you like Peter who brings the good news to the people around you? Do you trust in his plan? I want to say that no matter where you're at in life and in your Christian journey right now, whether you have been a believer for many, 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 many years, decades, decades, Or whether you just committed your life to Jesus two minutes ago, then amen, come and see me after. I would love to pray for you. It doesn't matter. I want to tell you that you can never stop learning. You can never stop learning. This story here told us this. Peter, Peter never stopped learning. Can you tell? He lived with Jesus. He ate with the resurrected Christ. And Peter himself never stopped learning there's such an importance for us to be open in our hearts and soft in our hearts for growth of the Spirit in our life. For Him to change our life. And you know what that also is? Is letting go of control. Because if you want to control your life, you just give God this bit, isn't it? Rather than saying, you know what, Lord, here I am. That's me. Use me. Shape me. Speak to me. Talk through me. Use my life to bring glory to your name. And so I want to say to you now, if you are sitting here again and you have committed life to Jesus years and years and years ago, but you would like a refreshment in your life. You would like someone to pray for you. Someone to encourage you. You want to recommit, resubmit to your Father in heaven and please come to the front for prayer. Don't let pride hold you back. Please don't. Prayer is good for everyone, amen? And if you are here and you only know Jesus for a few minutes or a few hours or a few weeks, also please come for prayer. Have your heart wide open for Holy Spirit to shape your life. No matter where you're at, no matter what God is doing, you can trust His plan I invite the pastors and elders to come to the front so you can pray for people now. And I would like to pray for all of us here right now that we would be people who pray, that we would be people who don't just say, Lord, Lord, but do not know him. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you had a plan from the beginning of the world to reach all nations, Lord. And that we could learn today how you poured out your Holy Spirit upon all the Gentiles, Jesus. That your plan is working and will always work, Lord. And that we need to trust in the plan. God thank you that you are alive thank you that you are alive and active thank you that you are speaking Holy Spirit that you are speaking to those who are open to you Lord that if you believe in your name Jesus that we have Holy Spirit inside us and we praise you for that what a gift the same gift that you've given the Gentiles back there in Cornelius' house lives inside us too thank you Jesus and Lord I pray now for every person here in this room and those who hear the message later on Lord that we would all have soft hearts Jesus that we would put down all of our control in our lives over our lives Lord and put it at the cross and ask you to really truly shape us speak to us lead and guide us Lord Lord mold us to become more like you Jesus I pray that there would be no one sitting here right now would be like oh yeah I heard this message billions of times in different ways shapes or forms but that every single person now would reflect on their personal life and Holy Spirit how you want to use them and how you speak to them Jesus everyone here is fearfully and wonderfully made Everyone here is a sinner who is desperate for their Messiah. Jesus, maybe choose to follow you, maybe choose to trust you, maybe choose to submit to your authority, Lord. And may you shape our lives, Lord, for your glory, for your kingdom, that your kingdom would be established, Lord in and out all the Adelaide Hills, Adelaide, Australia in the world, Lord. We cannot wait to see how more and more people get hungry to get to know you, God, Lord. So prepare your people, prepare your church, Lord. Let us be ready, ready today to share the good news to someone we meet. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast.